I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Patriots Daily is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. What's going on, everyone? Taylor Callis here for CLNS Media. With the deadline quickly approaching just a couple of weeks away and the Patriots sitting at one in five, it seems like the team is going to be sellers. Not a lot of buying is probably going to be going on. They just need to probably get capital, start preparing for next season with some nice young talent. And I was pretty curious. I got my ideas of who they could end up moving on from, who I think should stay and be a building block. But, you know, I'm just a guy first year on the beat. I'm the tape guy. I need someone who understands the salary cap, roster construction. And there is no one that I trust more when it comes to those areas than PFF's Brad Spielberger. Brad, thank you for coming on again. How are you doing, my friend? Thanks for having me. I appreciate you. I'm, I'm doing great. Hey, we're uh, less than two weeks away from the deadline. I think it's about to get a little busy. Yeah, two, t- two people who are fans of teams that are probably going to be selling some people off this weekend. Um, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yep, probably. And today, actually, there was some news. We had press conferences for the Pats, and there were a couple players who were directly asked about how they're feeling along the trade deadline. First one we'll talk about, Mac Jones. Now, obviously, he gave the Patriots answer where he's like, you know, I'm focused on the next week. I'm not really thinking about it, whatever. I'm really curious about what you think his capital would actually be if they were to sell off, because based on how he's been the past couple of years, obviously there's a caveat of he's got no help around him, really. But at the same time, how much do you think a team would actually be willing to give up to acquire him at this point in his career? Yeah, so I would say first, like, you know, as we get more active in deadlines, last year we had 10 trades in the week before the deadline, twice as many as any year the prior decade. I get asked a lot about, you know, the Kirk Cousins, the Ryan Tannehills, Mac Jones. I know you didn't ask just a trade deadline, but a general thought. I don't think we'll see a starting quarterback ever really moved at the deadline. But anyway, let's flash forward to this offseason, right? He still, you know, has the fifth year option decision that maybe another team could make. Still has two cheap years in theory left on his deal. Maybe just the one, but still a guy that, look, there probably were a lot of teams in the draft that at least scouted him pretty heavily, liked what they saw in Mac Jones. And like you said, has not had a great supporting cast pretty much the entire time. The first year, they obviously spent a ton of money, brought in a lot of players, and they were solid. They made the playoffs for a reason. You know, I think you're looking at a Trey Lance type compensation, right? I mean, you're getting an an early day three pick on a team that says, yeah, we think we can find a way to use Mac Jones. We think they, you know, weren't using him properly, et cetera, et cetera. But the issue with him is for a lot of those type of conversations, Trey Lance, obviously a perfect example, my guy, Justin Fields, et cetera. They have God given talent and, and unreal ability that another building can say we can tap into that and they didn't do a good job. Mac Jones doesn't really have that. He, you know, he's a, he's a good processor. He showed a lot in college, whatever, but there's not arm, arm strength there. There's not mobility there. So yeah, long answer short, you know, a fourth round pick. Fourth round pick. <laughs> I might actually entertain that one. That might not be too bad uh, because especially you really, if he's going to another team, they don't know how much has he regressed and how much can we save his career? So there's a lot of question marks, but a fourth wouldn't be too bad. Next one that was brought up today, Kendrick Bourne. He was asked about it. He said, you know, I'm aware of it. I'd lie if I said I wasn't thinking about it, but I'm happy being a Patriot. I think Patriots fans are happy to have him, especially after a career-high 10-catch game last week. 
has never really been the focal point of the offense. People were claiming for that last year. This year, it seemed like he was primed to be that guy. But there's still been some inconsistency, although he's been picking it up a bit of late. How much value do you think he would have to another team that's maybe looking for more of a, a light number two or a number three where he could go in there and do his thing without necessarily having to be the focal point? Yeah, I think there is value there. It's the kind of guy you see as a potential trade deadline target. Like you said, I think he can fold into a lot of different offenses. You know, the best blocker in the world, but there, you know, there's a reason you play for San Fran and the New England teams that don't bring in receivers that won't at least give effort in that area as they work you into the actual you know passing game of the team. It is a reasonable contract. Obviously, it is an expiring deal. And I think it is key you mentioned there too, though. Last year, I'm sure he was maybe even asking for a trade. You know, in Matt Patricia's doghouse, not playing. Now, yeah, the team's not winning, but. He's playing a lot of football and could probably view it as I could stay here as a fringe number one target option, you know, put up good tape, put up a lot of good statistics and then hit free agency. And as we know, you know, the Pittmans and Higgins of the world probably get franchise tagged and all of a sudden Bourne's like a top five free agent wide receiver. So same probably value just because it is a, you know, a guy on a, on a veteran deal that you're bringing in midseason to be a probably th- number three for a contender. Same thing, fourth, fifth round pick, maybe you know, maybe multiple day three picks. I know that never sounds attractive, never sounds interesting, but the cash savings and just getting more than nothing, we're, we'll probably talk about compensatory picks, which of course the Patriots are as good as anyone at netting those. They have the most cash space in the NFL. They're probably going to spend a ton of money and cancel out all of those, you know, potential compensatory picks. That's a good point. That's a very good point. Uh, so if he were to get a compensatory pick based on whatever contract you think you get on the market, what are you thinking? Like a fifth, maybe like a six, something in that area. So fifth, which is how I approach all these deals is just look at, you know, what do you think he's going to sign for and what would that equate to? And his deal, in my, in my estimation, if he plays like this the rest of the year, would be most likely a fifth. I mean, best case scenario, a fourth. But you're talking like $13 million at that point, which he's not going to get. You know, he gets seven, eight or something like that. It'll be a fifth round value. Yeah. And like you said, they're probably going to be very heavy spenders as free agencies. So there's no guarantee that they would even be getting that. A guy who's in kind of a similar boat, Hunter Henry. Now, he's been another one of those guys where he's the only really consistent target they have. Doesn't have the explosiveness that he used to have. As a run blocker, I think he gets more crap than he deserves. He's solid, but he's not a guy that you want like in a Pharaoh Brown role, what they have right now at the point of attack consistently. That said, he's a team captain, so there's value there. And kind of like a Kendrick Bourne, I think you're thinking, well, if he is going to get sold off or if he doesn't get sold off, are you going to extend him? Because these are positions where you would like some stability going into next season. And again, Hunter Henry being a team captain, even if you don't have Mac Jones, he's the kind of safety blanket over the middle where you draft maybe a young dynamic talent at tight end and have him kind of be that stopgap where he's going to be solid. You know what you're going to get. And if the other guy just plays better than him, then you deal with that when it comes. But if some team comes calling, Hunter Henry is a guy that they're questioning or asking about, rather, what do you think he would be getting on the open or on the trade market? Rather? Yeah, I see the same way as you where like I actually could see I know he's an older player now, like you said, maybe he's not going to have explosives, but very reliable. It's funny now because of all the great move tight ends. We think every inline guy that can't catch passes like Travis Kelsey stinks in that regard. And then because of the Mercedes Lewis's of the world, the Gronks of the world, we think every guy that can't dig out a defensive end and, and displace, you know, but he's not a, a terrible blocker. And most modern tight ends are kind of falling in between those two categories. So he's a good player. I mean, the team that jumps to mind immediately for me is the Cincinnati Bengals who basically don't have a viable tight end on the roster. You know, you look around the NFL. I don't think there's a lot of other obvious, like, Hey, we're a contender. We need tight end and we'd probably be willing to do something. They're kind of the only team that I had circled when I went through that process 
It's again, it's it's an early day three at best because it actually is a big contract. I mean, you're talking some teams, I don't think Cincinnati, but some teams would have to, you know, clear room, restructure deals just to bring him in, even with the prorated portion of his salary this year. So it's again, it's, it's a mid-round pick. But again, it's more about you're just getting something instead of nothing, which again, the Patriots also historically have been incredible. Hey, yeah, it's not great. Does it help our team right now? Do we maybe lose out on a guy that we would like here in the long term? Yes, but they also could, you know, in classic Patriots fashion, go sign that guy back in free agency or something like that. So Long answer short, you know, fourth round pick, but I actually view him more as a guy they want to keep around. Like you said, bring in a move next year. That's a better fit than a Gasicki. Let Hunter Henry kind of be a, a different role in the offense and, and bring that guy along. Makes sense to me. I'd love to see a different role than what Mike Gusecki has been in the offense. Cause it's been quite interesting so far. Um, another guy that I personally hope the Patriots build around, uh, but one, they don't really pay this position as we saw with Joe Tooney. And also injuries are really going to muddy his situation. Mike and Wenu. Now, he has not been able to, you know, he's missed games. Last week, he was active, but didn't play at all. And then when he's in the lineup, he usually hasn't been finishing the games, had offseason ankle surgery, missed the entire summer. God bless him. The guy went out and tried to gut it out in the regular season after not having any preparation. Hasn't looked the same, but I don't think anybody who's looking at it, you know, fairly is saying, oh, like Mike and Wendell, he's falling off. It's like, nah, man, the guy's fighting through something pretty serious. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Do you think any team would be interested enough to say, hey, we'll take the chance, like maybe we'll give him a couple weeks to get healthy or, you know, what have you, make a role for him? Or do you think he's somebody who's probably going to stick with the Pats and then you wait and see what happens at the end of the season, how healthy he is at that point? Yeah, that does complicate matters for sure. Like we saw today with Jeremy Chin, the, the Panther safety, who I imagine was receiving some calls on. Now he's out for six to eight weeks. Like it just removes that guy from the trade market. Yeah, there's a risk there, right? We're talking about trades when it's an expiring contract. The entire point is this guy's going to be a mercenary for us for 10 games, help us get in the playoffs, maybe make a playoff run. So if he's dealing with something, you know, it kind of dampens the value there. I just thought when they took Antonio Mafia in City, so it kind of raised my antenna a little bit. Like you said, they, I mean, they've let Joe Tooney's a phenomenal football player. They let him walk as well. Omnu has the position flex, though, for me, where it's interesting. I mean, there might be a team that says, we're going to put him back at right tackle. And there are teams across the NFL that I think could use that. Um, you know, I think maybe with him, it's a little bit better. The injury, I would have to know more about. But, you know, he's a guy that maybe you could, in theory, see a team signing him for a pretty solid contract in free agency. He obviously is scheme-specific. I think he has to be in a gap scheme, which kind of limits how many teams are in that market. But I could see him sign a deal that maybe gets you a high fourth, maybe not a third, but, you know, a solid contract that, that helps the comp pick formula again. Yeah, I think for a fourth round pick, I know I'm getting, uh, you know, repetitive here, but I think they maybe pull the trigger just because, like you said, the young guys haven't played particularly great. Um, Cole Strange also dealing with stuff, you know, in his own right. But is is he in the long term plan is, is the question. I feel like your evaluations are just a reflection of the roster. Like, that's what makes it really tough. You look at this team and I'm looking and I'm like, who are they going to get who isn't going to only get back a day three pick? Like, yeah, early fourth rounder is really nice, but it's a poor reflection when your team is in the bad position they're in. And there's not only kind of a dearth of building blocks other than, you know, defense. They got Gonzalez, Keon White, kind of Marte Mapu to a degree. Better there, but offensively, it's like, I don't really, who, who are we building around? Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel. America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. 
There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling Helpline MA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Ever wish you could navigate the betting field with the confidence of a pro? Enter Odds Are. They're not a sports book, but they're the sports betting advisor you've always needed. It's like having a playbook for smarter bets right in your pocket. I've been absolutely loving the experience, and I think you will too. Especially since Patriots Press Pass listeners get a 30-day free trial. Elevate your game day and join the smart betting revolution. Go get it at oddsr.com slash presspass. That's oddsr.com slash presspass. Josh Uche. Again, similar situation of Mike Wenu. His injury isn't as significant. He's dealing with the foot. Jeremy Fowler said it's not going to be a long-term issue. And we actually talked about this because Josh Uche is an interesting one. So we talked about him as an extension candidate, what he could get next season. I know you've mentioned, and this has really changed my perspective on the whole market, is edge rushers in this free agent uh, class could be depreciating because you got so many talented young edge rushers. A guy who's just a designated pass rusher like Uche might not get the contract that he is really envisioning at this point. But for the Patriots, Matt Judon's out. You expect Uche to become your great pass rusher. Like, this is his perfect opportunity. If you want to see what he can do against the run, he's probably going to get the snaps. We've seen Anthony Jennings, who I don't think – who wasn't even active in the first week of the uh, season. He's really been the bigger Judon replacement. He's been a great run defender, okay pass rusher, but he's producing. Whereas Josh Uche, I think the book is out on him now, where you saw last year, like there was a hilarious rep against the Bills, where I think Spencer Brown, like literally Uche just kind of hesitates and Brown falls down and it looks like he's using the force. And it was like, he was really scaring people with that speed. This year, I think they're expecting it. And then when he tries to transition that to power, you see it's a thump and guys are anchoring down. So you're not getting pass rush productivity. They're trying to move them around. It's not working. I'm getting worried. I feel like this is sell, sell, sell as soon as you can. So he doesn't keep putting out bad tape and giving people's reason to say, well, he can't be our number one or he can't be like the designated pass rusher. He might need somebody who can work off of maybe as a power guy to like, you know, kind of soften the edge and then he goes around. All that to say, what do you think the deal is with Uche? Should they wait it out because he's got so many great second half bursts and maybe, you know, you appreciate his value for the market? Or are you saying, I'm not trusting it right now. I'm selling and I'm just going to get as much as I can. And what do you think the highest pick they could get would actually be? Yeah, it's super interesting. I didn't know he was dealing with something, you know, injury wise. You mentioned that because I watched his week five film. He played 36 snaps, which for us was I think the second most of his entire career. Obviously, the first game after, you know, Judon goes out and say, OK, he's going to play those early down snaps. They're going to see what he can do. Um, it wasn't great against the run, but it wasn't like I don't know. I didn't think it was like unplayable. I, you know, I mm-hmm. didn't. But then you flash forward this week. It was 19 snaps. And I think there were a couple reps against the run that I would characterize as probably uh, in the category of unplayable. So. Yeah, I, I like your perspective of like sell him while there is still a high market value. I think he is a guy that nets you a day two pick. 
It might be a third, not a second, but I think he can. You know, I did a mock trade for him, a third and a, and a future fifth. I think I sent him to the Seattle Seahawks, who I think need a little bit more juice off the edge. He fits. I mean, they have like six Josh Uche's on their roster already. Yes, they but, got Echetta, that's, the, <laughs> that's the headliner. <laughs> yeah, one out of seventh, I guess. But but yeah, it's like because those guys always are the guy you see move the deadline for more than they're probably worth. But a playoff team is sitting there and saying there's going to be a high leverage moment late in the season where we we're down a score and we're pinning our ears back. Or, or maybe whatever, we're up a score. We're trying to prevent a team from scoring a passing touchdown on us. Let's bring in a guy that can get after the quarterback. And obviously that is Josh Uchi. So yeah, I think you're getting a day two pick there. And it's again, the same conversation. I don't think he's a franchise tag guy. You don't tag guys that don't play 400 snaps in a season. So are you worried someone else is going to come in and be willing to pay way more than you are, which is probably the case. You know, you know, the guy better than anybody else does. Yeah, I think he is a guy you sell high on because I think the market right now is probably about as good as it can be. Especially, I'm really glad you mentioned the fact that they do have to sell and the compensatory picks are kind of, you can't even really count on them. That completely, I think, affects your your thinking where it's like, all right, what's the point of us letting these guys hit the market and literally getting nothing for them, regardless of how they replace? I, I keep coming back to that. That was a good one. Now, another one of the headliners for the 2024 Patriots free agent class, Kyle Duggery. This is one of the guys who I think is a building block. Is he going to be 30 soon? Yes. Patrick Chung and Devin McCourty were both guys who either did or planned on playing into their mid-30s. So if you're one of those freak athletes at the position, you're smart, and you really, especially in that system, you get a lot of man-to-man experience. You get experience with different things, so you're smarter, and by that point in your career, you're super versatile. So while he's up there in age, I think he's someone that you've got to build around. But at the same time, if they're saying, hey, I think a Kyle Duggar could fetch me a high enough pick to get like a game changing receiver. And I already have a lot of good safeties. Do you think that the there should be legitimate thought into moving Kyle Duggar more than just the, you know, we're taking calls on everybody, like really thinking about it? Or do you think this is a guy where you really don't want to disrupt the safety group that already lost Evan McCourty? You know, Peppers and Phillips are great, but Duggar to me feels like a glue guy. So what are what are your thoughts there? I view it the same way. I think he's a stud. I get he was an older draft pick, so is now an older player. I also, you know, you talk about guys aging, like like an Adrian Phillips, who kind of just like morphed into different styles of player, like uh, in certain years. Like I could see a scenario where Duggar does different things, has different roles, and Belichick trusts him to kind of like, you know, morph his career and what he does on a year-to-year basis, which obviously carries a ton of value. For me, he's the franchise tag guy. I mentioned not the other guys, mm-hmm. probably not. I think he is a very possible uh, franchise tag candidate. Maybe they work off that and, and do get a second contract done in a trade. Safety's tough. You know, I, you don't see a lot of big, I mean, outside of Jamal Adams, I was looking again for this article. You don't see a lot of major capital moved for safeties in particular at the deadline. But I mean, I'm probably not giving him away for anything less than a second round pick. If I'm yeah. the New England Patriots, right? Like he's a very, very good player. I agree with you as a building block. He's versatile. He, he, I think he get, he's get, looked better this year to me in some facets than even in years past. Like, yeah. So, so anyway, and, and then if not, I think you tag him and you try to get a deal done. And I think he will be reasonable. Yeah. He was a top 40 pick, but he knows he's 28 at a position that some dudes fall off at 30. Like you said, some guys, you know, if you're all, whatever you play till you're, you're 37. Uh, but that's also not really his game is just kind of sitting back and being a deep third ball Hawk. So anyway, second round pick or a franchise tag. <laughs> Same page. I like where your head's at, buddy. Too busy this fall to cook, but want to make sure you're eating well? With Factor, skip the extra trip to the grocery store and the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up while still getting the flavor and nutritional quality you need. Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. So all you have to do is heat and enjoy, then get back to crushing your goals. Adjust your stride this autumn without missing a step. 
Choose from 34 plus weekly flavor packed, fresh, never frozen meals, ready to eat in two minutes. Level up with gourmet plus options, prepared perfection by chefs and ready to eat in record time. Treat yourself to upscale meals with premium ingredients like broccolini, leeks, truffle butter, and asparagus. Too busy running around during the day to think about lunch? Keep your energy up with lunch to go. Effortless, wholesome meals like grain bowls and salad toppers that are ready to eat when you're on the go. No microwave required. Looking for calorie conscious options during the busy season? Try delicious, dietitian approved calorie smart meals with around or less than 500 calories per serving. Need an extra boost to support your wellness goals and feel your best as you tackle a busy autumn? Try Protein Plus Meals with 30 grams of protein or more per serving. Round out your meal and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of 45 plus add-ons, including breakfast items like our delicious apple cinnamon pancakes, bacon and cheddar egg bites, and potato bacon and egg breakfast skillet. Or for an easy wellness boost, try refreshing beverage options like cold pressed juices, shakes, and smoothies. With Factor, you can rest assured you're making a sustainable choice. We offset 100% of our delivery emissions, source 100% renewable electricity for our production sites and offices, and feature sustainably sourced seafood in our meals. This October, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door. Ready in just two minutes, no prep, no mess. Head to factormeals.com slash patsdaily50 and use code patsdaily50 to get 50% off. That's code PatsDaily50 at factormeals.com slash PatsDaily50 to get 50% off. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, last one. Now, this is a player who does not seem happy with his lack of usage. Frankly, I'm pretty surprised by it. Jalen Mills. He tweeted either last week or two weeks ago where he was like, I think it was last week, he was like, damn, because he only played 10 snaps. Uh, I think it was against the Saints at that point. And I mean, when you look at his tape, it's there are some missed tackles. Like, to be frank, I tried to make a little reel to see like, all right, what have his impact play has been? Maybe I'll try to make a push for the guy. And there were like three bad missed tackles where I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, dog. I can't I can't sign off on this. Like, I, But at the same time, you see a lot of instinctiveness versus the run. You like the physicality. His timing is a blitz. You saw it in the preseason. You see it in limited opportunities this year. And he can move and uh, play a lot of different positions. But they seem to be happier with Miles Bryant, Jabril Peppers, Kyle Duggar. Um, even Marte Mapu has been getting more snaps than him. Do you think Jalen Mills is someone that they should be like, hey, you know, we got plenty of safeties. Let's just let the guy be happy elsewhere. And if that happens, what do you think they could get in return? I do. Uh, I think, you know, look around this class this year in particular, and I don't see a lot of defensive back talent that I think is readily available. Like you look at the teams that you think are selling off pieces, um, you know, and, and I just don't see a lot of names that pop up. And he obviously, again, has position flex, can play corner, can play safety, you're not getting much. I mean, you're not, you're getting, you're getting a sixth or seventh round pick, but it, you know, I think it might still be worth it because like you said, you have a lot of in-house replacements. I've liked a lot of what I've seen from Mapu. I, I didn't watch this past week, but uh, he, he's fun to he watch. He didn't play on last so, week, actually. I think he either played oh, the least or like didn't play. So he didn't miss anything. <laughs> yeah. Save me some work. Yeah. I love it. So, uh, but yeah, no, so I, I do like it. 
Look, I, you and I would probably agree. The New England Patriots don't love seeing a damn only 10 snaps tweet. I saw, I saw that. I knew where you were going with that. So, yeah, yeah it was like tweeting the beat with like the whole sheet or whatever it was, too. I, I remember seeing that. So, yeah, I think so. I, I think you're trying to keep this locker room together. You're trying to keep people happy. I mean, the defense has obviously been playing well you know, outside the last two weeks. So you'd imagine at least that unit, you, you'd keep the core there and convince them, hey, we're going to we're going to retool this offense in the offseason and we'll be right back in the thick of things. But, yeah, there are a lot of teams, I think, that need defensive back help, no matter where you want to throw it. Detroit may be interesting. Obviously, some connections historically there. You know, they've had some injuries to Chauncey Garner-Johnson, Emmanuel Mosley, et cetera. There are a lot of good football teams that I think can use corner help right now. Maybe Mills is a good name. What do you think in pick-wise? Uh, I'm thinking third. Is that fair? Considering his value, <laughs> positional value. I know it might be a little uh, so, yeah, I think you're getting a sixth. Uh, you think you're happy with cool. a sixth on that one, unfortunately. Yeah, I was always a little out of pocket with a third. I got excited because you <laughs> you were excited that you got me excited. But yeah, sixth is pretty fair, making the guy happy. All right, man. Thank you so much. Great perspective as always. You bring me down when I just need some reality, and I appreciate you a lot. Please and thank you. Tell the people where they can find your tremendous work. Of course, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And I, I think we saw it either in a lot of it. That's always mm-hmm. good. Uh, it's got exciting the end. <laughs> yeah, this is the Kyle Duggar podcast. So, uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at PFF underscore Brad. And, of course, at PFF.com. I'm going to be covering the trade deadline pretty much daily for the next two weeks. So, you know, come check that out. Get mad at me about how little I think your favorite players are going to return. Uh, I'll, I'll be covering it wire to wire. Thank you so much, brother. Thank you all for watching, everyone. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. And we will see you next time. <laughs>